Hello, dear listener. Thanks for tuning in to Notes on Spiritual Warfare. I want to use this episode to introduce a new segment of my podcast that I'm going to start, which is going to be titled False Doctrine versus Biblical Truth. And I wanted to start this series. I think we're really like grinded my gears and just got me going. It's just like this. I'm so annoyed by the constant use of the term Jezebel or the spirit of Jezebel in a way that does not reference biblical truths. But ultimately, I think that in this hour in which deception is working over time, it's important for people to understand when they are truly hearing the word of God, the written word of God, the voice of God versus the interpretation of a man. So I want to start off by, you know, before we get into the topic that I want to discuss with you, I wanted to start off by sharing a story about why I feel this is so pertinent because I was talking with a friend of mine who is a Jehovah's Witness. I actually grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so I don't have necessarily anything bad to say about Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, all of my memories that I have growing up as a witness are positive memories, you know, and to even just seeing how uh, kind people were to my mother who was um, a single mother of six children before she got married and she struggled a lot in that. Um, Those are just some of the things I remember, how helpful they were, how they kind of surrounded my mother as a a sense of support or a system of support um, when she was going through her hard times. And um, I just, you know, I just don't, I don't have any bad memories about being a witness. However, um, <laughs> I am very aware that when it comes to biblical truth, that their doctrine and the things that they believe is not, is not biblically sound. So I, you know, I was with my friend and we were talking, I, I was just kind of talking about some of my, you know, things that I'm going through. And, you know, I just made a joke, like, help me, Jesus, just called out on him, like, help me, Lord Jesus, help me. And my friend stopped abruptly, like, Jesus, why? And I was like, what you mean? He's like, why are you calling on Jesus? You got to call on the name of Jehovah. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Where did they say that at? And he's like, yes, the Bible says that you have to call on the name of Jehovah if you want him to help you. And I said, well, what scripture is that? Because, honey, now, listen, I know y'all don't know much. You maybe not know too much about my background. And I'm just not one who really going to get all into it because I wrote a whole book about my life. If you want to read it, it's on Amazon. It's called Exceedingly Above. And you can visit notesonlifeblog.com and just follow the link if you're interested. But, you know, if anyone who really knows me and um, they know that I do love the Lord. But one thing about about that Bible, you're not just going to tell me anything is in there. You're not just going to be like, yeah, you know, the Bible say, you know, the, the sky be blue on Sunday. You're like, nah, nah you got you going to have to show me where it say that at. So you can't just be saying anything to me. And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, the Bible do say that just because it sound nice. Right. Which is what a lot of people do these days. Right. And so I'm like, you know, immediately I knew that what scripture he was referencing, but but again, the scripture doesn't specifically say anywhere that the only way God will hear your prayers if, if, is if you call on the name of Jehovah or if you pray in Jehovah's name. 
And so, you know, he and I went to this back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, I was just kind of like, listen, um, you know, because the issue with talking with people who are Jehovah's Witnesses is that they are very, very deep in their beliefs, which it, which it are not biblically based it's they're they're very deep in the deception now while god's one of god's names is jehovah which is the point i was making out to him um at the end of the day if you have a bible that is um it's you know in every place where it says lord or god they remove it to put jehovah in order to serve what their ultimate theology is that they're leading you into, you know, they give you this one little bit of truth and then everything else that they build on top of that one truth is deception. Then, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to argue with a person like that, right? Because in his Bible, the new living translation, um, is it, every place where it says God or, or Lord, it says, Jehovah, right? But in the King James Version, which I mean, again, you have to do your homework to understand why that is the better translation if you're going to compare translations, particularly if you're going to compare it to the NLT. Um, but if you're going to do that, you know, in my Bible, it's, it just says Lord, right? L-O-R-D capitalized, right? Or not even, not, not, and no, because this scripture is in the New Testament. So this Lord that they're referencing is Jesus Christ. And so that was the point I was trying to make to him. And, you know, we were going back and forth for a bit. And um, it did get heated a little because it's kind of like, how do you impress upon someone? Okay, yes, while you have this little bit of truth. Yes, his name is Jehovah. Yes, it does say you have to call on the name of the Lord. But you're forgetting every other scripture that, that tells us that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father, Jehovah, or Lord, or you know whatever you want to call him. You cannot come to him before you come to him through Christ. You can't. There's no other way to him. And when you pray, you pray in the name of Christ because that is the only name given unto man under heaven by which you can be saved. All of these scriptures, you just just bypass just for this one truth, you know, which is where the deception takes root, right? Because there is true, um, you know, whoever, you know, Jehovah is Lord, but, you know, in the sense of capital L-O-R-D, you know, sovereign Lord. But as the scripture has also told us, Christ Jesus is Lord and in every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow. The scripture also tells us that the government of the Lord God has been placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ because of his obedience and dying for the sins of the world. And so that all things could be made full through him, which is God's great pleasure, the Lord's great pleasure, Jehovah's great pleasure. It's, you know, that that was his pleasure to make it to where Christ would die and he would receive um, the hair, the uh, uh, the innermost parts of the earth and even the heathen as his inheritance. Right. And so no matter what I said regarding these scriptures, though, he won't try and hear that. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that is kind of why 
this has kind of been mulling in my spirit since I started this entire podcast. Because as I've shared with you guys here before, I didn't even intend on starting the podcast. It was just, I, it was just something that was spoken to me, um, you know, during the time of fasting and seeking the Lord about. Trust me, I wasn't even thinking about nothing about a podcast. Trust, I got other things going on. I'm. You know, seeking his face and just trying to understand, like, Lord, what's going on? I need you to show up. And this is what he speaks to me. And so as um, time has gone on, you know, he's just dropping, you know, sharing things with me and revealing things to me and speaking things to my spirit about what he wants me to, you know, get on here and share with you guys and talk to you about. And this is one of them. OK, Um Biblical false doctrine versus biblical truth, you know, the doctrine of man versus biblical truth. And we can see this shown um, very much when we consider the false doctrine of the spirit of Jezebel. Now, I have some scriptures I'm going to share with you today, and I'm not going to read, you know, each one. I'm just going to share them with you. And as usual, you will always be able to check my description or this description of this episode or whatever episode I air for the details of the things that I'm going to discuss here or reference here uh, with you. So we learned about Jezebel. First, let's understand what the false doctrine is, right? So the false doctrine is, you know, whenever you hear the term Jezebel or a woman has a spirit of Jezebel, and if some people want to appear enlightened on some level, they'll even admit that it's not just women who can have the spirit of Jezebel, but men also. But, you know, when you think about a Jezebel, you think about what? A hoe. You think about someone who's a whore, a loose woman, uh, a lustful woman, you know, who leads men astray through sex. Right. Um, a woman who would try to control men with her body or just a woman who seeks to have a, a great measure of control um, and not necessarily, you know, um, control through sex, but just trying to control your life. Right. Um, or, you know, but sex is usually what the the connotation that is attached to that ideology of a, of a person being a Jezebel. Right. And so trust me, and I know this as a single woman, you know, it's just it's it, it's ridiculous how um, quickly that label can be put on you in the church. Right. Particularly in the body of Christ um, with women who are married, you know, any little thing, you know, you can say, hello, how you doing? Good morning, brother. It's just like, mm, get that Jezebel away from my man. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like I can't even say how to you like a girl first of all I didn't know he was married because I'm not thinking about him I'm just saying hi to him like you know so you know things like that you know um just kind of this label of this woman who's just out to sleep with the pastor and you know sexually lead astray all the men in the congregation but biblically that is not that's absolutely not what the bible tells us to be true about Jezebel Right. And so I have um, three uh, to four things that are biblically sound, biblically based. You can go to the scripture and read for yourself to point out the characteristics of a, uh, a Jezebel or a person who is working or operating in that spirit. And the number one thing that you're going to recognize um, 
is murder, right? But let's kind of pull that back a little bit because yes, in the Bible, we see that Jezebel is a murderer, right? That's the first thing we, besides the fact that her, we, she married Ahab and that she was the daughter of Ethbal, who was the king of the Zidonians. The first thing we learn about her and continually throughout, whenever her name is mentioned, we see that she is a murderer, okay? Which, as I share these characteristics with you, you're going to hear how basically she was Satan working through a woman, right? At this time period of, of history, well, within the nation of Israel, because you know, the Bible tells us what does Satan do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is everything that Jezebel did. So we learned about her in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And this kind of starts, the first mention of her is in 1 Kings chapter 16. And that's where we learned that she, Ahab, who was the king of um, Israel, who became the king of Israel at that time, had done evil more evil than all the people who were before him you know in a, in the eyes of god and the bible says and as if that wasn't bad enough you know then he goes and he marries ethbal's daughter which was jezebel and do his marriage to her became to worship baal and basically sold himself to worship him and the bible even says in first kings chapter 20 21 that he sold himself to work wickedness, which was stirred up by his wife. Okay. But I want to just, um, kind of with the false doctrine, let me back up a little bit. Sorry, y'all. This is a new segment. So I'm going to work out the kinks a little bit. And typically when I get on here, I only write just like quick notes down. I don't, that's so annoying to me because I can always tell when someone writes like a script for themselves and then they just like read it word for word <laughs> i'm like please don't don't do this to me but so yeah so just be patient with me um and back it up a little bit though because one of the, another thing that we hear typically when we hear the story of ahab and jezebel is that ahab was just like this weak man who, you know, basically what we would call a beta male today, you know, this simp who just let his woman rule over him. And, you know, she was really the one, basically it was like she was the one wearing the pants in the relationship. But again, biblically, that is not true. In fact, Ahab was a man who was to be feared himself. You know, he invoked fear in the people and not because he was a respectable guy. You know, he was it wasn't a respectable fear, but it was because, as the scripture says, he sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because he was such a wicked man who was constantly doing wicked works. He instilled fear in people. Ahab was a man of war. So yes, you know, while there is going to be, as we'll discuss here shortly, there was a part in this in the story where we learned that he was kind of sulking a little bit. And I'll talk more about that because he wanted he wanted to get something that he couldn't have. And so Jezebel stepped in for him to get it for him. But again, you know, this idea of Ahab being just kind of like this beta simp who, you know, just let his woman, woman rule over him is is not of the biblically 
uh, sound doctrine. That is not what the Bible says. It shows that Ahab was a man of war and that he even just from him being him evoked fear into the people who served him and the people in the land of Israel. For example, we see when first starting out, when the Lord goes to Elijah and tells Elijah, okay, because at this point it's not raining, right? And God is willing to show his power greater to be than the power that many of the Israelites are worshiping, which is Baal, right? And the, and the God that Ahab and Jezebel set up in the land of Israel. So they hadn't reigned for three and a half years. And then finally the Lord comes to Elijah and he tells Elijah, hey, go and show yourself to Ahab because I'm going to go ahead and make it rain. And so Elijah goes to Obadiah, who was like Ahab's right hand guy in the kingdom. Okay. And Obadiah was a man of the Lord. He greatly feared the Lord is what the scripture says. And so when Elijah goes to Obadiah and he's like, hey, go tell Ahab, you know, I want to meet with him real quick, you know, and Obadiah like, hold on. <laughs> now, what is this that you trying to do, bro? It sounds like you trying to set me up. Now, what did I do that was so bad, you know, I mean, that you're going to put me in this position? Because mind you, with Ahab and Jezebel being in power, it's, it's implied that not only Jezebel, but Ahab was a killer of the prophets of God because Obadiah says, okay, listen, you telling me, you come to me out of the blue time by A, go tell Ahab, I'm going to meet with him. But, you know, it was a point in time where we just told Ahab was looking for you in every nation and every kingdom. We was looking everywhere for you. And he made us swear an oath that we could not find you anywhere, that you was nowhere around here. And now you want me to tell him you right here and you want to meet with him. Like you trying to get me, you trying to get me Merc, bro. He like, nah, I ain't trying to do that. You know what I'm saying? Just, and, and even Obadiah, you know, he was scared. Cause he like, look, you telling me to go tell him this, but see the Lord going to protect you. So <laughs> to because he see Obadiah, he already knew that Ahab wanted to kill Elijah, right? That's what, this is what this is implying that Obad that Ahab was looking for Elijah, who was a prophet of God to get, to kill him. Cause they were cutting off the, the truth speakers, you know, the prophesiers of truth in the land of Israel so that the God of Baal could, you know, rain. And so he already knew, like, if, if I tell him that you here, he's going to, he's automatically, he's coming for you. You know what I mean? But if, but so I know that the Lord is going to protect you from him. He been protecting you because you right here. So if I tell him, go leave you, the Lord, spirit of the Lord going to come and take you away to put you in a place of protection because he knows that Ahab is going to kill you. And then when I come back, you're going to be gone and he's going to be looking at me like, but I thought you said he was right here and then I'm going to get killed. You feel me? Now, this is just the, this is my own little interpretation. You know, again, first Kings chapter 16, you can read it for yourself and you can really understand what it was he was saying. But that's the gist. You feel me? Like, listen, you, we look, been looking for you, bro. We, we, we swore up and down that you wasn't nowhere to be found that you wasn't here and now you here and you telling me to go tell him to meet with you nah he's gonna kill me and so 
Elijah cut it short and was like, nah, I'm, I'm going to meet with him. You know what I mean? I, I ain't going to run. And so this goes to show that, you know, Ahab wasn't no simp. You know, he was a person who instilled fear. Yes, because of the wickedness that he worked, but he wasn't like no simp beta male that everybody tries to make it seem like this dynamic between he and Jezebel, right? So back to Jezebel, because again, she was like his counterpart, right? She, you know, she did what she was able to do, what she was able to do because of who he was. And I guess that's that false idea of him being a beta male or a simp. He sold himself into wickedness because of the, the worship that he was doing. But because of who he was already, kind of that idea of what people say, if you, you know, become rich and you get a lot of money, money either is going to bring out the truth about who you are. So if you are mostly a person with bad character, that's going to be enhanced. If you're a person with good character, that's going to be enhanced. So that's all it was. Jezebel is the kind of woman that enhances the men who have already sold themselves to do wickedness. And again, I'm going to tell you why she kind of emboldened him because ultimately it's because he trusted in that power that he saw her working in that, that wickedness of the, that she was able to portray through, through the worship of the bell, um, the God that she served and that her people served, you know, that spoke to the kind of man that he already was. You feel me? So yeah. So, okay, so with that understanding being had and knowing what kind of man that this type of woman is typically attached to, because again, it's not no beta simp. It's a, a man who, who has sold himself to work wickedness. And now you can see what kind of characteristics that uh, a Jezebel has. And like I said before, it's number one. The first thing we learned about her is that she's a murderer because the Bible tells us that the first thing that she did when she became queen was cut off the prophets of God from the land. And if it had not been for Obadiah, who coincidentally was her husband's right hand man who who did fear the Lord and who did honor God, saving off a remnant of prophets who that he hid in a cave, it said. All of the prophets, I mean, besides Elijah, because I mean, they tried to get Elijah too, mind you, but they couldn't. They couldn't find him. But yeah, Obadiah hid a remnant of prophets off into a cave to preserve their lives because of the wickedness that Jezebel was working, so that her prophets would have the power in the land. Okay. And the next thing that we we, the next time we hear about her again, is her being a murderess. She threatens to kill Elijah because this comes right after um, Elijah performs the miracle where he's standing against her. It was like 450 um, prophets that she had. And, and then it was just him by himself standing in the power of the Lord God. And once he come, he know that miracle was performed showing whose power was greater Jezebel, when she got word, when Ahab came back and, and told her, hey, <laughs> them prophets, hey, Elijah got burnt them up. When he went back and told her what happened, 
the next thing we know, we hear her tell, send word to Elijah. May may the God do unto me as you have done unto them if I have not killed you by this time tomorrow. And so as the story goes, as everyone knows, Elijah flees, right? But again, this is the uh, characteristic of a woman who's who has a Jezebel spirit, right? She wants to she wants to destroy. She wants to murder. And murder even especially in today, it doesn't always have to be physical. You know, someone can murder you with their words as the Bible says that you know the power of life and death is in our tongues. And so this could be a first lady of a church who is always tearing down members or gossiping about members in her congregation, or it could just be me, it could be you, you know, the other people, the laymen in the congregation, anybody who is around who is constantly tearing down of people with their tongue, you know, destroying, murdering their their character, you know, attempting to murder their spirit and murder the life and the and the lights of God that may be in that person because Again, as we go through these characteristics, and if you read the story of Jezebel and you kind of learn about what it was that her people were into, that kind of worship, they hated truth. They hated God. And so you may have somebody around you who, you know, along with these other characteristics we're going to talk about, who is a, a murderer with their tongue. OK, that's the Jeze that's somebody who may be working in the Jezebel spirit. But let's look at some other characteristics, too, that the scripture tells us that we can expect to see when there's a, when we're working with a Jezebel. And the second thing that we learn about her is that she's an accuser or a false witness. Now, when you think of an accuser, who do you think of? Exactly. Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. And here this is where we learn. We see the story that people famously tell and when they're trying to tell you this dynamic of Ahab being this beta male and Jezebel being this like controlling you know, witchy woman who's running everything. What really happened was is that right before this, Ahab received a prophecy. So what happened was Ahab went to a man of who was in the nation of Israel. So he went to an Israelite and there was a vineyard that was right by the palace and he wanted that vineyard. He didn't need it. He just wanted it. But the man of God said, well, my God, you know, it's, it's against my, the law of my God to sell my inheritance, you know, to sell this to you. Right. Because that was one of the laws that was given to the Israel or the God's people. You know, you don't, just um, sell off the inheritance of your fathers to these um, heathen nations, right? And so he told him, hey, I, I can't do that. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's forbidden for me. He basically said it's forbidden for me to do so. And so um, when he heard this, Ahab went and he was soaking on the bed, you know, laying around the press like a little baby. And Jezebel comes in and she's like, why are you, what's up? What's, well, you got you over here depressed to the point where you're not eating. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, Naboth, he got that vineyard over there. I want it, but he won't sell it to me. And she's like, what? Ain't you the king of Israel? Don't worry about it. I'm going to get it for you. You feel me? And she proceeds to write a letter. <laughs> now, I can't even say she falsely accused them. I mean, she did. 
she moved him to be falsely accused. This is what she did. This is what trips me out, right? She wrote the letter and she didn't say, um, give no explanation. She didn't try to say, hey, you know, try to make up a lie, you know, make it seem real. Like, hey, Naboth um, is over here blaspheming the king and blaspheming the name of God. So stone him. No, she was just like, listen, I want you, you and you. Y'all get together. Y'all put him on trial, accuse him of blaspheming and then stoning. So she basically created the lie and then wrote out the verdict which is something that we see again. We know this spirit that she's working in because it's the same spirit that was working in the New Testament where Christ was alive, right? You know, they sent the false witnesses, but the benefit that Christ had at that time, I mean, if we're going to call it a benefit, Christ was the representation of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, right? And so he had the benefit of being able to show his power and people have people believing in him. At this time of history, the people will have more of an involvement in whether or not a person is going to be, you know, stones. You know, it, 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 it was kind of like a court of law thing where you're going to be accused, you're going to be put on trial, and then it's the people that can say what's going to happen to you. But at this time, you know, the king's power or his word was basically equivalent to God. You know, the God and the king were kind of put on the same pedestal. And so if, if a word came from the king, you know, it don't matter what nobody got to say. This is what it's going to be. And so she wrote again, a deceiver. That's another thing we see about her. She's a deceiver. She wrote it in the power of the of her husband's name. She put his seal on it and then she wrote the letter out and sent it to the people who were in Naboth's city. You know, people who were the elders, the noblemen, people who should have knew better, but they obviously were sold out to do the will of a wicked, a wicked person. And they did exactly what she said. They accused him and then they stoned him right after the accusations. And so that's another characteristic we see of a person working in a Jezebel spirit. They are a deceiver. And they they are a false witness or accuser of the brethren. They will lie on you. They will lie on other people to get what they want, to accomplish a means to an end. If they feel like that means to an end is beneficial to them, you know, because as his wife, you are his she, you know, she liked the benefit of being in the power position that she was in. But I think another thing that it's important to point out too is that I think I think it's important to recognize that I keep wanting to call him Naaman, but his name's not Naaman, his name is Ahab. I think the important thing to recognize is that he trusted more in the power. It's not it's not Jezebel that he trusted in. It's the power in which she was working in that he put his trust in. Because like the scripture again says, 1 Kings 21, 25, he sold himself to work wickedness, which was stirred by his wife. So this is a man who had a character that was already prone to do wickedness and to work mischief. And it was stirred by his wife. And I think it was able to be stirred by her because of the witchcraft 
and the sorcery that she engaged in. Now, again, the Bible doesn't specifically say what type of witchcraft or things exactly what she did, although she is referenced as a woman who commits witchcraft, as we'll see later here before she's cast down and ultimately killed. But she is referenced twice, actually, because Christ references her in the same way. But, you know, witchcraft, typically people who engage in that, and even with the Baal worship that we know that they practice in scripture, you know, was about human or babies, you know, human sacrifice, the shedding of blood or the letting of blood in order to offer us as a sacrifice, even if it meant mutilating yourself. And that's what we saw with the prophets of Baal that went up against Elijah before Elijah may caused it to rain. You know what I mean? That they were they were cutting themselves, letting blood from their skin as a sacrifice unto this God. And so people who engage in this type of witchcraft and sorcery are people who like power and they're willing to sacrifice or whatever they got to do in order to get it. Because think, just look at how she didn't even think twice about accusing this man and having him murdered she didn't even think twice when she got upset and i think when you think about her response when what's his name um ahab <laughs> i don't know why i can't i keep wanting to call him something else when we think about ahab and how he came to her and was like he was the one who told her right he came back and was like hey <laughs> elijah just burnt up all your prophets and, you know, I think her response were to the point where she's like, OK, let it be so unto me as you did to them. If I if you're not dead by tomorrow at this time, I think her response was to that level of extremity because she knew that the only way that she could have power over him or, you know, have the power that she had in her position as his queen was based in the power that she was working in because of her worship to this false god. And again, why another reason why I say that I think it was the 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 power in which she worked that he trusted in more, not the not just her just controlling him, but it was the power that he trusted in because when she came in and and told him after uh, Naboth had been killed, it ain't nowhere in there where he's like, well, what happened? You know, just the other day I was just talking to him about, buying. he didn't say, no, he got up, <laughs> put his clothes on, and he went to go see about the vineyard as soon as she told him to do it. You know what I mean? Like he, like they already had an understanding there about this power, this shit, this power that they both are trusting in and believing in and putting their faith in. And another point that I want to make about why I believe that it wasn't her necessarily being like this controlling person, although that spirit within her demanded control on some level. It wasn't control just for the sake of control, but control of your faith, you know, and why and and. I believe that it was more so of like spiritually having control over him is because the reason why he was 
moping on the bed, it's not simply because he's just a beta scent male who couldn't figure out how to get the vineyard on his own. Again, this was a man of war. This was a man who was a killer of prophets, as it is implied in the scripture. He, he was a man who was feared. It, it wasn't that, that he, why he was moping. He was moping because if you read the chapter before, it tells you that he had gone because this is after a judgment because another thing I, I i don't want to get into it now but another thing is that this was in the process of a, the beginning of a judgment that the lord has set against his um against his uh throne right because for the sake of elijah you know because elijah had told him like the reason why i'm running is because all the people in israel like your your children they turned themselves to other gods and the only one prophet in the, the land, you know, who's speaking the truth and telling them the truth, they trying to kill me now. You know, now they trying to kill me. And so I'm just tired of it. You know what I mean? And so this was after a judgment had been set. And so the beginning of the judgment didn't go how people would think, right? Because God first begins to say, hey, I'm going to give these people, I'm going to drive these people out from y'all. I'm going to give them into your hands. So with some people they were going to battle with. And so Ahab went to battle with these people. But one of the people that was, but in the, the, the order was from the Lord is that all of the people were to be wiped out. But again, I don't want to get deep into it because it's another whole nother lesson to this whole story too. But God knowing the heart of this man who has sold himself to wickedness, he knew that this man would make a covenant in, in exchange for material gain because that's what he did. He made a covenant with one of the people that he was supposed to have killed. So he was one of the men that was supposed to have killed. He let him and I think some of his brothers get away in exchange for um, what he thought he was gaining. And so God had one of his people come and disguise himself as one of these, uh, supposedly as one of these men and that he was supposed to kill and rather than just kill him like nah you're supposed to be dead and get him up out of here he make a covenant with him and so the guy comes up out of the disguise and it's like all right see now the lord god has put this judgment on you because you didn't do what he told you to do it's gonna be your life for day life you know and basically because whatever happens this judgment is on your head you know what I mean? Because I told you to get, get rid of these people. Because as we see throughout the scripture, when it comes to the Israelites, when when they don't obey God and get rid of all their enemies, as the Bible says, from he that pisses on the wall to he who was shut in, basically from the oldest to the youngest. If you don't get all of them out, then, then these people, you know, as generations pass, they grow mighty again and then they begin to to oppress or become the enemies of Israel. And so God basically put a judgment on him that now your time is short now because you this judgment is on you because you didn't do what I told you. So that so he left from there and and then the next thing we hear is a story about him wanting this vineyard. And so he was already feeling condemned you see what I'm saying? He was already feeling sad 
that the Lord has sent that judgment on him for not doing what he was supposed to do. You feel me? And then on top of that, he goes to Naboth, who is of the nation of Israel. So one of God's people and try to get this vineyard. You feel me? That's next to his palace, probably just to make himself feel better. You know what I mean? You know how you go buy stuff when you depressed. This is probably was the same thing. I don't know. But then he gets another reminder, right, of the Lord God who's mightier than him, but also a reminder of what he's condemned to because of his disobedience to this God. When this man tells him, no, it's forbidden of me by my God, right? This Lord God who's condemned you is forbidden of me to sell this this vineyard to you. And so that's why I think it's very important to read and read things in context instead of just taking out the pieces that sound good in your Sunday sermon real quick. You know, it's important to read things in context because again, if we just take it as, oh, well, she came in and she saved the day for him because he was just this weak man. No, there was a judgment that had come down on him. He was already feeling depressed about that's what the scripture says, that he was very displeased. And he, what does it say? It says exactly. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. And, and that's another point I want to make out. You know, he was the founder of the city of Samaria, <laughs> which is very interesting when you think about it. But, you know, considering what their, um, the, their reputation was amongst the people of God and amongst Israel, you know, but yeah. So here we go again, you know, going back to Jezebel, she's the accuser. She's the false witness. And speaking of that power in which she's working, which I say that Ahab ultimately trusted in is not her. It was the power in which she worked that she trusted in. A woman who has a, a Jezebel spirit is is a witchcraft spirit and more than likely engages in witchcraft. Now, witchcraft these days and um, there is a girl who had a video that I watched and I was like, man, she is 100 percent on the money because she talked about how, yes, witchcraft is, you know, dabbling with dark powers and engaging in dark spirits and doing well spells and our spell work and all that stuff that you would imagine that it is but witchcraft can also be people being because of what's in their heart against you or maybe what is in their heart just against mankind in general they are being of they are allowing evil or demonic spirits to operate within them and then within their lives because of the things that's already in their heart and because of for example the number one thing this is a spirit i've dealt with all my life jealousy if you have people around you who have a tendency to be very jealous or covetous you know that's a person who can work witch witchcraft against you without necessarily casting a spell and that is this kind of idea of what people like to say like they put the evil eye on me you know what i'm saying it's just kind of like you know even 
they might speak well with their mouths to you, but in their heart and in their mind, they're they're cursing you. You know, they're cursing you in the spirit. But a person who's operating in the Jezebel spirit, they're going to have kind of all these characteristics. They're going to commit murder, whether it be physically or with their mouths. But in my opinion, I know people who've never committed murder, but they commit murder with their mouths. And I believe wholeheartedly that if the situation was right, if the situation was right, they would commit murder with their hands just because of the hateful spirit that's working in them. They're going to be an accuser or a bearer of false wit, you know, a false witness saying that they saw something that, you know, they didn't necessarily see or, you know, accusing a person of something based on what they think to be true, but they don't really necessarily know that it's true. Or they're operating in witchcraft and it can be physically actually operating in witchcraft against you or a or someone else or against people or just because of the spirit that they're operating in because of what's in their hearts. Okay. And then along with that, they're going to be a person who's proud and then they're a person who's the deceiver. And why I say these people typically are proud is here we see in um second kings right before jezebel is cast down and she's killed it says that when she heard that jehu was coming because first he killed her kids because again after they killed naboth god sent elijah to tell him your time is up <laughs> in the same place that he got killed you and your wife gonna be cast down it's, it's going to be the same. The dogs are going to lick your blood. That's what That was the judgment that came to him. And so right before she was cast down, and the judgment was that it was not only him, but it was all of his household, like all his seed, going to be cut off because of what they did. And when Jehu, who was the one that was coming in next to take over the throne at this time, had was on the mission he when <laughs> he was going and getting everybody up out of here basically according to the judgment and the last stop was um jezebel and it said that when she heard that jehu was in jezreel okay she put on her makeup she fixed up her hair and she sat in the window and waited for him and as a woman that that signifies to me now i don't know how you would take it when you read it um, read the entire story but that signifies to me a woman who's proud you know what i'm saying and i think ultimately too a little bit there as we see again not to say that the the spirit of jezebel can't be a woman who's operating in sexual lust or using sex to control right because th this is the part of the story where i feel like i can see a little bit of that because she fixes her hair up she gets her makeup on you know if she gets herself together she sits high up in the window and wait for him to pull up and when he comes she's like She's operating in that deceiving spirit, right? Trying to use fear. That's another thing um, I feel like I got to say. I said three or four things, but just bear with me, y'all, okay? So this is candid right off the cuff. But fear, you're going you're gonna to see that a person operating in the spirit of Jezebel is 
you know, utilizing fear to control, you know, um, and fear, whether it's being quick to murder you or a person who puts you in fear, or has you walking on eggshells all the time, every time you're around them, because you afraid they might try to talk about you or say something about you or, you know, a person who controls with their emotions. To me, that's emotional witchcraft. As soon as the slightest thing don't go the way they want. Everybody wanna go over here to your house to eat breakfast or you know to have lunch, but they wanna go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat some chicken wings, you know what I'm saying? Everybody wanna go over here and as soon as they don't get their way, they just get quiet, they do the silent treatment, they looking out the window, every time somebody say something to them, nothing, you know, you know, quick, short answers, you know, somebody who's constantly operating in that kind of spirit, they're putting you in fear and fear not as in, it doesn't always have to be fear of like, oh my gosh, you're gonna do something to me. It could just be the fear of, I don't feel like dealing with your attitude, the fear of anything that changes your behavior in a way that acquiesces them because you are in fear of having to deal with what will come if you don't change your behavior. You understand what I'm saying? So that's, a, that's another thing that we can see with a person operating in Jezebel spirit. And you will see that again, when she threatened Elijah and then she arranged for Naboth to be killed. I think about how that fear of what could happen to them if they didn't comply, the ones that she sent the letter to, the men that was in his city, you know, people who probably should have knew him, should have knew better than to just, uh, you know, believe that he would be an, a blasphemer. They didn't even think twice. They did exactly what the letter told them to do. That fear of what will come if you don't acquiesce, right? But in the part before she's cast down, let me get back to that. When Jehu arrives and she get her makeup on, you know, as a woman that to me that spoke of a woman who's proud kind of that idea of no matter what you're doing, you know, no matter what you're going through, you could be going through a hard time, girl, get your makeup on, put some makeup on, clean, wash your face, fix your hair, put some clothes on, carry yourself with a sense of dignity and pride. And I think that's what she was doing, but in a way of which she was also attempting to use probably her beauty or it was, a, I feel like she kind of low-key probably knew that it, 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 her time had come, but I think that it was a last-ditch effort to utilize um, maybe her sexual prowess or her looks or her appearance to fend off, hoping she could fend off the judgment that she knew was coming upon her. She knew why Jehu was there, you feel me? She knew why he was there, but also too, I think kind of what those deceiving spirits do. Have you ever, you know, if you're a woman listening to this, just think about it. Men who want to control or manipulate you, say you, you break up with your boy, your guy, and you're like, look, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? He trying to figure out where your mind is, right? Where you really at. So he engaging you in conversation. Because the first thing she, she did say, again, she's trying to use the fear, is, where, where did I write that? She said, had Zimri peace who slew his master. Now Zimri is mentioned earlier on, I think around chapter 16 or 17 of First Kings, because it's kind of like this power grab that's happening with all these these different kings who are, you know, wicked before God's eyes. They, they rule and then once their rule is over, then there's like this power grab for the throne. And Zimri was one of these who actually betrayed the, um, the person who was the king at the time that he was serving, 
he killed him so that he could get in his place and he didn't just kill him he killed him and all his kids so that none of his kids could inherit the throne too but the thing was it that was kind of looked down upon right like they he didn't get no respect for that and so of course somebody else came he he didn't rule for a very long time um like a week or so a couple of weeks it was a short amount of time so within a little bit of time somebody else came challenging his um his position on the throne and instead of like fighting back against that i don't he he killed himself he basically burned himself up in the house and so basically what she was trying to say to jehu when he came was like i mean <laughs> i guess it was her way of trying to say like do you think like this is gonna go well for you you know what i'm saying because look what happened to Jimri when he when he killed his king you feel me because Jehu this is after Jehu then got uh killed Ahab they didn't kill you know all the judgment that God had put down on them Jehu was going through the process of carrying out and she was the last one basically and so she like all right dude, what do you think is gonna come of you from doing what you did you know what I'm saying you think it's gonna go up but I really think she was probably just trying to see what his response was gonna be like how could she engage him to see because really a queen she she's nothing without the king because it was really the king that rules you feel me and so I just think she was just trying to gauge his response you feel me that kind of witchcraft control spirit but Jehu, he ain't even go. He ain't say not one word to her. All he said was, who with me? And a couple of people looked out the window from behind her like, we, we with you, bro. He was like, throw her out the window, cast her down. And they pushed her out the window and she was killed. So I guess I didn't expect this episode to be this long. And typically, just um, I'm, I'm going to try to keep these particular episodes of this series um false doctrine series series short because i just want to get to the point of pointing out to you what the false ideology is compared to what is actually written in scripture this is one of the ones that i feel is like so 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 abused like <laughs> you get called a Jezebel for practically anything except the things that's actually mentioned in the scripture about what her character was and who she was, which is a murderous witchcraft woman. Yes, who did? She did lead the people of Israel astray through Baal worship. And that was ultimately her character. Her character wasn't about sex, even though Baal worship did incorporate that fornication for the sake or as a sacrifice to a god ultimately she was a murderer you know she was an accuser of the brethren a false false witness of the brethren and a deceiver and i think that is important because number one <clears throat> i think it's important to recognize and understand the truth of this story as it's written in scripture because again we see later on in the book of revelation jesus christ references her as being something or someone who is being allowed to operate in one of the seven churches of god and the one of the seven churches is actually a study that i'm working on um, because my theory is the seven churches is not actually physical churches in the sense of how it's laid out in scripture. But as we all know about Revelation, it's a symbolic book. And so um, heavy, heavy, heavy with symbolism that 
it ultimately has a spiritual significance, not necessarily to be taken um, 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 uh, as it's presented to you on the front. But you have to understand the spiritual symbol, symbol, sim, symbolism of the things that are spoken. And I believe that this, the seven churches are just representative of seven spirits that are working within the one body of Christ. Right. Because we all know that Christ has one bride. OK. Which is the body of Christ. And so, yeah. So if you recognize um, that she is a spirit or a power that is working within a particular body, it would help you better understand who Christ is speaking to when he's speaking to this particular spirit or this church of people who are operating within this particular spirit of Christ when he's admonishing them for them. Although he's appreciating their charity and their works, he's admonishing this particular group of people for allowing this spirit to lead them astray. And once you understand that and take the scripture as it's written about what we know to be true about Jezebel and what it is that Christ is admonishing his people of in Revelation chapter two, then I think that we can gain a better understanding of recognizing this group of people, particularly that he's talking to, because we have a better understanding of what it what the characteristics are of a person or a spirit of Jezebel that may be operating in a body of Christ or even around us. But ultimately too, just generally speaking, I think that addressing biblical truth is important so that you can combat the subtle types of deception. Because again, I keep saying deception is working over time right now. It is so high, but it's subtle. It's very subtle. And then if you are able to recognize when you're hearing false doctrine or the interpretation of a man versus what's actually written in scripture, it'll help you to better combat the subtle deceptions that use truth to lead you astray. Kind of like what I was telling you about my friend, right? Because the Bible does say that God's one of God's names is Jehovah. And the Bible does say who you, who calls on the name of the Lord, whether you want to put Jehovah there or whatever, shall be saved, right? That's the truth. You call on the name of Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Or let's just say the Lord, right? You shall be saved. But the, the that's a subtle deception because, again, the Lord that's being referenced there is not particularly Jehovah, but the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we are saved, you know, the shedding of his blood, right? So it's, it's the subtle deception because that is the truth. The Bible does say who he, he who calls it the name of the Lord. But if you just remove the Lord and just put Jehovah and just forget about all the scriptures that reference Jesus Christ as the one through whom we have redemption, then that's the, where the deception takes hold. And another thing that I just one more that I want to give to you guys is a is one that we hear quoted very very often. For example, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which says, "For I know the the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not to harm you." Right? 
and pastors all the time are quoting the scripture the name and the claim it prosperity kind who tell you that you can have whatever you you know it's not god's will for you to be poor it's not god's will for you not to whatever troublesome thing may come your way that may actually be god's will <laughs> because he's trying to work out something within you that is pertinent for you to have so that you can be refined particularly in this hour because that's what he's doing he's refining his people so there may be something working in your life that it may not be comfortable it may be very hard and it may not be good you know in your opinion but it's the will of the lord nonetheless but, you know, if you got preachers who are telling you it's supposed to be great all the time and it's not God's will because and then use Jeremiah 29, 11 as the biblical evidence, because God said that he has. I know what I think towards you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm. But if you read that scripture in context, he ain't saying that to you. <laughs> he's not. He's God is not saying that to you. And, and and we see this happen all the time or I see this happen all the time and it irks me okay because I'm just one of those kind of people like even if the interpretation may be taken in a certain kind of way it, it still if it don't say this particular thing I'm one of those like verbatim kind of people like verbatim it don't say that you know what I'm saying? Like verbatim. Yes, that's what it says. But in context, he's not talking to you. He was talking to his people who had just gone through a time of a turmoil, who had been scattered from their land. And he was letting them know that I'm going to come back. So this was at a particular time in history. He was speaking to Jeremiah, you know, the prophet, particularly regarding a king and the people who were under the rule of this particular king at a particular time in history. Now, of course, you know, like this Timothy tells us, it's a two edged sharper than a two edged sword. And it's it's beneficial for all things. But at the end of the day, if you are basing your belief and your faith on a promise of God that wasn't promised to you, not to say it can't be true for you. I'm, I, I wholeheartedly would never tell you that God doesn't have plans to prosper you, that God doesn't have, you know, thoughts of peace towards you. That's what he sent his son, the Prince of Peace for. Right. Yeah. I would never say that. But I also wouldn't use this scripture to encourage you in a time of trouble, because when God spoke those words, he wasn't talking to you. It wasn't even regarding that particular thing. Right. I'm going to come to something that's more relevant to you and to your trouble that I know that I know that whether it's this point in time in history or this point in time in history, this is going to stand true. You feel me? And so I hope you can follow me on that. But, you know, when I hear Jeremiah 29, 11 being quoted concerning certain things like that, you know, when a person's going through a time of trouble, just like, just hold on. You know what God said in Jeremiah 29, 11? I think I know what I think towards you. No, that's because when he said that he was speaking regarding a particular thing. Because God also has promises that we can hold on to that are just as good as that promise that we can hold on to and claim today. It's relevant to us today. But people, because they don't read their Bibles, they don't know them promises. <laughs> they know the stuff that's just repeated on the screen on Sunday week after week. You feel me? And so 
that's kind of just you know to wrap it up that's kind of what my goal is with this particular series or this particular segment is just to kind of point out those things in which we are believing a false doctrine or interpretation of truth that doesn't really serve us because again if i'm basing my my faith on a promise of god that wasn't necessarily promised to me or is taken out of context then you know when it doesn't come to pass in a way that i'm hoping for you see then i get discouraged and i begin to think that perhaps god's word isn't true or other thoughts that you know is really not that aren't the will of the lord god because he does have promises that he's made to his people who are living for today and they're all throughout the new testament and some in the books of the prophets certain books but not every single thing can be taken and applied to us today and you have to understand what's appropriate and what's what's not appropriate. And that's just kind of what I want to attempt to do with this segment. So I thank you guys for rocking with me this far. I really, really appreciate your support. If you wouldn't mind, you can go and click the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I would appreciate it if you want to show your support for this ministry. Or you can also just download this episode and share it with someone for whom you care. Perhaps someone who's been caught a Jezebel. You know, sis, you 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 might be a little whorish, but you may not be a Jezebel. You know, it's, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. You feel me? So just, you know, you can download this or if you heard somebody using it and you hear them using it in the way that I was just talking about you like mm-hmm, let me send this on to them like ah, don't don't send this in uh, smart just send it and be like hey what you think about this you know <laughs> okay well you might want to try something different now because if they listen to it then they gonna they gonna know that you was being funny but I'm just saying appreciate y'all support and um lord willing I'll talk to you in the next one